or hit him with the bags. Always first, never last. I be the king of my class, got the heart of a wolf, and that's that. Double, double, like it's nobody business. I'm gonna take the ball and pass it to Wiggins. Oh, welcome, everybody, to the most must-listen-to Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, Dunking with Wolves, where we are wolves, we are fan-sided. You can find us online at www.dunkingwithwolves.com, and you can tune in to this podcast on SoundCloud or on iTunes. Make sure to also download our Dunking with Wolves app. You can find that in the App Store. That way we are with you everywhere that you go. I'm Brian Sampson, one of the co-experts for the site. You can find me on Twitter at BrianSampsonNBA. I'm here with Ben Beacon, the other co-expert. You can find him on Twitter at BBeacon. Ben, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Brian? I'm doing awesome. I'm ready to go here. The Wolves had a really great week of basketball last week, and I believe somebody, one of us, predicted the games correctly, or at least the record correctly, so I'll just let that kind of sit there. We'll get to that later. Yeah, it wasn't me. (laughs) So Ben and I, we're going to review last week's games real quickly. We'll each give our big takeaway of the week. We're going to talk about the Wolves' pace of play since that was a huge issue, I guess, on the national broadcast last night on Christmas night. And then we're also going to talk about Marcus George's hunt and his play, and we're going to look ahead to the next week for the Timberwolves. So uh, this past week was a very successful one for Minnesota. They went 3-0, and just like I predicted. Ben, he was a little off. He's, I think Ben said they're going to go 2-1. and So we're... Go ahead. Yeah, I said they. I'd said they. I said they would lose one game, which I don't think was crazy. I mean, you know, You're a hater. They, yeah, I know. That's that's me. <laughs> so Minnesota is now twenty-one and thirteen, and they're still in fourth place in the Western Conference. But they sit with a four-game win streak, with the, which is the second longest in the whole Western Conference. Um, and they're actually really close to the Spurs. The Spurs are in third, and Minnesota's only two games back of them. So that's really you know doable. Obviously, there's a lot of games left to be played, but that's a good spot here, 34 games into the season for Minnesota. Yeah, it's, it's funny. I mean, if you look at the – I think other outside of Golden State and Houston at the very top, the rest of the playoff teams in the Western Conference have all won. At this point, it might even be more than two games in a row because before Christmas, it was everybody was on some sort of a win streak. Yep. Um, so it's not like the Wolves are gaining any separation or gaining any ground really uh, because they were far enough back from the one and two seeds. But but it's clear that there's a, you know, a top eight or nine teams that's kind of separating themselves from the rest of the conference. Yeah, yeah. So last Wednesday, Minnesota, they won at Denver, 112-104. Then last Saturday, they won at the Phoenix Suns, 115-106. And then they wrapped up their road trip on Christmas night with a victory at the Los Angeles Lakers. So yeah, just like you said, the Spurs, they're four games back. And then you go all the way to the AC, the Pelicans, who are nine and a half games back are the Warriors. So that's five and a half games that's separating five teams right there. Yeah. So what was your biggest takeaway of the last week of basketball for Minnesota? Um, I think for the most part it was winning games that they were supposed to win. Um, obviously at Denver is tough um, because they're they're a good team and they're you know um, not far behind the Wolves in the standings. I think two games now. Um, they we talked I guess after the win the one point win over Portland so they've they won three straight since we talked last. Um, but they uh, yeah I mean I mean that was the toughest game and then beating the Suns and beating the Lakers were two teams they should have beaten. Both games were maybe a little bit closer than they needed to be. Um, 
especially the Lakers game, but the Phoenix game was one, another one that had a big lead, let it get down to, to a possession, or I think one possession. I think it was a two-point game, and then they pulled away at the end. The Lakers game was was pretty close all game. The Wolves never really built a huge lead. The Lakers even took a one-point lead in the fourth quarter, and the Wolves got down to business at the end and ended up winning by, what, 17. Um, so I think the takeaway here is the Wolves are a good team. We knew that. Um they continue to play down to their competition. Um, and occasionally that means that they're going to lose a game. They should win. you know, like the Phoenix game, two games ago, um, a week ago, Saturday when they lost to Phoenix at home. Um, and you know, you play down to your competition for three quarters. Sometimes that's going to come back and bite you. Um, the one thing that's frustrating about that, we talked about this a little bit last week, is it means you're not going to get your starters any rest. If you're in a you know a, a dogfight in the fourth quarter against an inferior team, you know a team like the Warriors, and and again, I'm not expecting the Wolves to be the Warriors or anything close to it yet, but um, you know they they put teams away in two and a half quarters, and then they you know their starters only play 28, 30, 32 minutes um, because they don't even need to see the the floor um, at the end of the game. So that's kind of the next step, um, but you know that's kind of a that's kind of a gripe that I'm willing to to make since we're talking about a team that hasn't made the playoffs in, in 14 years, 13 years. So, um, yeah, I mean, three and a week beating up one playoff team on the road, winning two other two other road games, um, ultimately by quite a bit. Um, it was a good week. I, I don't know that we saw anything different from them. Um, Nemanja Bielitsa returning against the Lakers was great. Mm-hmm. Um, that was probably the the biggest um, you know other takeaway from the last week. Yeah, my biggest takeaway is that you know. Minnesota winning the games that they're supposed to win, which is exactly what they need to need to do. They're coming up here, and I think in the next couple of weeks, it's a really tough stretch. And the month of January overall is a tough stretch, so they got to rack up these wins now when they're supposed to. And Minnesota definitely got lucky with their matchups this week, as far as Paul Millsap was out, um, then yep. Devin Booker was out, and then Lonzo Ball and Ingram were out, and so that really was fortunate for the Wolves. But you know that's going to happen in the NBA, and they took care of business regardless and got those victories. And so that's that was my biggest takeaway: is the schedule and the injuries are very fortunate and very kind to them. But regardless, they still got those wins, and they're really really figuring out how to close games down the stretch and figuring out how to play in that fourth quarter, especially Jimmy Butler. Earlier in the year, we saw him you know, being more passive, trying to defer to other guys on the team. But now he's really been taken over, especially, you know, those last 12 minutes. He comes in, he guards the best uh, offensive player for the opposing team. And then when the Timberwolves are on offense, you know, he really takes over, whether it be him scoring, him getting to the free throw line or getting other people involved. Um, And so I think that that is really key for Minnesota especially if they're not going to put opponents away they really need to figure out how to close down the stretch and it was actually um in one of the games it was against the Nuggets it was Jimmy Butler Towns and Jamal Crawford had all of their points in the fourth quarter until Teague had two free throws right at the end but other than that those three players really stepped up and took over down the stretch which is what Minnesota needs yeah, um, and we've seen that. We've seen that from Butler. I, you know, I think the number, the cutoff that the arbitrary cutoff was the end of November. I just saw a stat today on Twitter about how he's averaging like you know twenty one or twenty two points on over fifty percent shooting, whereas 
November, October, November, he was, you know, shooting 44% and averaging like 17 and a half points a game. So, um, and we've also seen, you know, the other production hasn't dropped. So early in the season, we saw Butler being a lot more of a facilitator and get grabbing some rebounds and, and kind of having those, you know, um, those games where he fills the stat sheet, but doesn't dominate or, or in some cases either doesn't take a lot of shots on offense or just isn't all that efficient. But now in December, those other numbers haven't dropped. I mean, he's still rebounding the ball. He's still getting assists and steals and, and doesn't turn the ball over all that much. Um, he's had a few inefficient games here and there. I think he started like seven of seven last night against the Lakers and, and ended up, you know, not actually shooting the ball that great on the night. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think, I think they're going to continue to lean on him late in games. And um, I think something else that we'll have to keep an eye on that could develop a little more is the lack of Jeff Teague in the offense. Um, you know, he only had what, six shots and six points against the Lakers. Um, so to keep an eye on that a little bit, because Taj Gibson's actually, you know, jacking up nearly as many shots as, as, um, as Teague is. So that'll be something to keep an eye on moving forward too. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. I think the way they get, they get their shots is so polar opposite to Teague really depends on his ability to create and Gibson really depends on, you know, other players and Gibson does a great job of playing off ball. Yeah. Guys like Butler are playing really well. Defensive attention focuses on them and then he, you know, steps in and can fill the open spaces on the floor. Yeah, it was poor word choice. I probably shouldn't have said jacking up shots because I don't know that you would ever say that about Taj Gibson because, you know, he's shooting the ball when he has a one-on-one in the post or a wide-open mid-range jumper or corner three. So um, probably poor word choice. But, yeah, he's he's definitely shooting the ball more, I think, than – maybe we would have expected um i looked recently his usage rate actually isn't all that out of line with his career it just um, i think he's more involved in the offense when you've got three dangerous offensive weapons with towns wiggins and um and butler maybe than folks realized or expected um and teague you know has has always been a scorer in his career so it's been a little bit surprising but um but yeah it'll be uh it'll be interesting to see how that shakes out and if he's okay with that being his role well i think part of that is ebbs and flows of the long season but then the also other part is them figuring out how to play with each other because I don't think that Teague's ever played with a guard or a wing like Jimmy Butler who needs the ball in his hand and is a probably just as good of a playmaker as Teague is and so I think that's just everybody trying to figure out how to play together and what works and in matchups dictate that stuff as well yeah agreed so moving on here we're going to talk about the Timberwolves pace of play since that was a big deal um, on the their Christmas night game against the Lakers. And for those of you who missed it, it was a really different type of feel from the broadcast as far as listening-wise because um, they had the whole TNT crew like Shaq, Charles Barkley, Kenny, um, all those guys doing the game. And it was more just them kind of talking about the game as it went on instead of maybe necessarily necessarily analyzing the different things that were happening in that game. But one, one subject that always came up was Minnesota and the pace of play. And, and the crew, the TNT crew, crew felt like the Timberwolves don't push the ball nearly as much as they should. They felt like they were walking the ball up the court far too often and letting the shot clock get under five seconds before jacking up a contested shot. And so they, I would say it was like three or four different times they brought that up throughout the game. Um, and so I just wanted to talk about that. The Just to give you fans a little background, so this stat, so pace is, according to NBA.com, it's the average number of possessions per game that each team has. And so Minnesota ranks 20th in the NBA in pace with 98.19 possessions per game. And so that's where they rank as of right now. Um, ben, do you have any thoughts as to if Minnesota should push the pace more than they do or why they go so slow, and that's in air quotes? Where do you stand on that? 
Yeah, you know, I actually would have thought they'd be even lower. I thought they'd be, you know, in the 25 range versus 20th in the NBA. Um, but yeah, a couple things on that. I think it's a little bit of an illusion in, in some ways because they do offensive, they do rebound the ball so well on the offensive glass. So that does push down their fifth in the league in offensive rebound rate. And so mm-hmm. that does push down their pace a little bit. Um, you know, it, both from optically and the numbers, you know, when you're watching the game, um, if they're, it feels like more of a slog if they're missing shots and getting rebounds and putbacks and, you know, shooting free throws and all, you know, they draw a lot of fouls too. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, so I think that, I think that that's in, in that sense, that drags that number down a little bit. Um, it's interesting too, because you can hear Tom Thibodeau when you're watching any broadcast yelling, run, run, you know, every time they get a rebound um, and, and some, Sometimes they do, um, you know, and, and I think that they do a good job when they get numbers. Um, Tyus Jones did a good job against the Lakers. There were a couple of plays that he made that there was one that may or may not have gotten him pulled in the fourth quarter when he made a turnover in the open floor. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I don't know that I, I – I think that there's some truth to the fact that they could play a little bit faster because they do have the athletes. They have young guys. They have guys who can finish at the rim and, and play well in the open court. They also don't have a ton of – they really don't have any sharpshooters from beyond the arc. And so, um, you know, it makes sense to get those points in transition when you can, especially when you have athletes like Wiggins and, and even like Towns and, and uh, Butler. Um, but on the other hand, I don't know that I necessarily agree with how the TNT crew is categorizing things. Um, I think um, they there was a little bit of the, you know, back in the good old days, talk about getting the ball in the post to Towns and, and Gibson, especially when Towns was was, you know, being effective in the post, and he usually is, especially when he has one-on-ones, and, and that makes a lot of sense. Um, but a lot of the times to get that shot in the post that you want, especially when the other team is loading up on towns, um, sometimes that means that you're going to shoot the ball with only five, six, seven seconds left on the play clock or on the shot clock. Excuse me. Um, watched a lot of football lately. Um, so, so you know that's going to slow you down. You can't necessarily have it both ways. And and obviously you can get early post touches. And if Towns is doing rim runs, getting rim runs, and getting to the basket, which he doesn't do enough of, by the way, I know that's something Jim Peterson talks a lot about on the Timberwolves broadcast on Fox Sports North. Um, that's a way to get some easy shots too. I think that Barkley and those guys were kind of looking to have it both ways with the post touches and with playing fast. Um, and and while I think we can all agree that they can be more efficient with how they use a shot clock at times, especially late in games, we've talked about fatigue potentially being a factor. Um, I don't know that they were completely being fair on the broadcast. Yeah, I would, I mean, I agree that I think they do need to push it a little bit more or they could push it a little more. They have good players who can score in transition. When you're talking about Jimmy Butler, Carl Anthony Towns, Andrew Wiggins, Jeff Teague, I mean, those are players who are good in transition. So far this year, Jimmy Butler ranks in the 91st percentile in points per possession off transition. So he averages 1.45 points per transition opportunity, which is really, really good. Towns, he's a little bit farther down. He's at 1.24 points. Wiggins, he's at 1.18. Jeff T, he's really struggling this year at 0.91 points per possession, which is only in the 23rd percentile. So that kind of gives you guys gives you a Snapchat or snapshot of what that all looks like for Minnesota this season. But I think it's hard for them to push the ball when their starters are playing 40 minutes. I mean, you need, they need to get the rest in somewhere. And if they're only sitting on the bench for eight minutes of the game, they need, they aren't going to be able to be sprinting up and down the court all the time. Yeah. Um, and when they do run in transition, they are good. According to cleaning the glass, they're fifth in the NBA in points per transition possession as a team. Um, even though frequency wise, they're 24th. So when they do run, they are good. 
And that makes sense because, I mean, like we talked about, all the athletes, you know, Wiggins Wiggins overall hasn't been great finishing at the rim this year, but he traditionally has been pretty good. And and in the open floor, really nobody should be able to keep him from getting to the rim. Butler's obviously very good at finishing through contact and drawing fouls. So with the athletes they have, and they have enough guys that are okay three-point shooters that can trail the play and and spot up, that um, they should be effective, you know, doing that. Mm -hmm. Um, And and the other thing is, is, I don't know if you saw Tom Thibodeau's comment after the game, somebody asked him in the media about, um, about pace of play and, and you know could they about how how slow their half court offense is at times and how patient they are are they too patient etc and he basically responded with well we're what like fifth in the nba in points scored or points per game so obviously whatever we're doing is working pretty well um and and i think that that's a fair response i think i think we'd all like to see some more three-pointers at you know smart three-point shots um i think wiggins has gotten a little trigger happy to try and shoot through his his slump but um you know, there's certainly some things that need some tweaking, but it's certainly not a sky's is falling situation either. You know, being fifth in the league in points and offensive rating, I think is somewhere similar as well. Um, yeah, fifth in the league in offensive rating. So, um, you know, it's it's some tweaks here and there, sure, but I don't know that it needs they, they should not be in the top ten in the NBA in, in pace. You know, when you've got some effective post scorers and you've got guys who can be effective cutting to the rim as well, um, I, I, they don't need to play fast. Um, so there's certainly I think the summary for me is there's some truth to it, and there's certainly some things that can be tweaked, but um, it's it's not a you know they're not far off. Yeah, I don't think I mean it's just being very nitpicky talking about their offense and what they can do better because offensively you know they do amazing and a lot of right. it is probably based on just the natural talent that they have on the team but they yeah. do a lot of things well and I think it is intentional by Thibodeau to run his offense and get that shot down late in the clock I mean that's kind of been his style all throughout is you know mm-hmm. to play that grinded out offensive style and then yeah. on defense you know that's where you do your work so I- I'm okay with offensively how they do it of course I'd like to see him push the ball more in transition but if their players like I said are going 38 40 minutes a night they need their rest somewhere Sure. And it's, and it's, this isn't on other end of the floor. It's not the grit and grind Grizzlies of a few years ago either. I mean, they've got, they've got shooters, right? They don't have Tony Allen, you know, um, not even spacing the floor at all. They have everyone on the court. If you're including Taj Gibson in the corners can hit a three ball, you know, they don't have JJ Redick out there. They don't have sharpshooters, but, um, but because of the personnel they have, it can be a more effective offense than that. And obviously the defense needs to catch up and it is improving a little bit. Um, You look at the fourth quarter defensive rating um, or net rating so far in December, um, which I guess is almost over already. I mean, it's been good. They've been one of the better fourth quarter defensive teams lately. Um, And, and that's a huge shift from being almost historically bad over the first six weeks of the season. So if that keeps trending up, even if it trends up slowly, I mean, we're already seeing them win games. They've won four in a row now. So if that keeps ticking upwards and the offense stays, you know, in the top five in the league, I mean, we're talking about a really, really good, good team here. Yeah. Yeah. Minnesota, I think that's why fans have been so frustrated with their play is because everyone knows they can be a really good team. They just have not shown that consistently yet this season so I I think that kind of stems back to maybe some of our conversation last week about fans are have been frustrated with this team because of all the the talent they have and all the upside that they have Um, just a couple more bones that I want to pick about the TNT crew last night I know they're probably listening and so of course but a lot of times they were talking about dumping it down to different guys like you mentioned like Gibson or Towns in the post and there Mm -hmm. are there are times for that but 
I think you hit on it perfectly when you said they can't have it both ways. Minnesota can't right. push the pace all the time and then dump it down low into the post, which traditionally slows the game down. But I think that's what you get when, I mean, you, you look who's who the guys are saying that, and it's two Hall of Fame big men and Charles Barkley and Shaquille O'Neal. Of course, they're going to talk about dumping the ball into the post to the big men. You know, that's what they live for. Um, mm-hmm. And they also made a lot of comments about Minnesota jacking up threes all the time, which I found very ironic considering Minnesota is 28th in the NBA in three-point attempts per 100 possessions. And so in the Lakers, they're 21st. So it's not like Minnesota's this team that's just jacking up threes all over the place, you know? I think think it became pretty obvious that that when those guys watch the Timberwolves, it's when they're on national TV, maybe Uh when they're on NBA TV, you know? Um, But they didn't even bother to look at the – at some of those numbers, I mean, it's pretty easy to pull the basketball reference page and just see where they're ranked in some of these different categories. But yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, I think that's a big part of it. And, and who knows? Maybe their takes on the wolves will be more intelligent because obviously those guys know what they're talking about to an extent. Certainly when it comes to basketball, but mm-hmm. I think they don't necessarily have a great league-wide pulse. So maybe as the wolves are on national TV more, maybe those takes will start getting a little less hot. I love your optimism. That's just that's great here. That's what we need right after Christmas. You're just so positive. I love it. Trying to give the people what they want, you know. It's a, it's a. We're getting ready to kick off a new year. It's, it's a, it's a new day in Timberwolves basketball. Uh, did you see Towns uh, eat the barbecue chicken last night? I thought that was pretty funny. I did funny. see that. He, that, that you was could good. tell he was up and ready to play for that TNT crew because he knew they were all watching. Oh, he loves and, it. Yeah, he loves it. He's it's, so different than Wiggins. It's crazy. I know, I, and I'm okay with it. Like oh, it, sometimes yeah. it's yeah. a little much with Towns, but I think, I think it's. Uh, I mean, as long as he keeps, as long as he keeps improving, you know, then, then he can back that up and it's fun to have somebody that's a little more playful, you know, even, even more so than a lot of the other stars. And part of it's because Towns isn't, isn't as jaded yet. He hasn't, you know, he hasn't been there, done that like some of these other guys that are just all business. So Mm -hmm. I think if Towns is enjoying the ride, you know, and they're going to enjoy being on a good team, I think that's good. I think it's healthy. For sure. So next, let's talk about Marcus George's hunt. Uh, he's cracked yeah. the rotation. He's played. He played very sparingly on Christmas night, only getting a minute and thirty three seconds against the Lakers. But yeah. he's played in now six straight games, which I think is really awesome. After receiving, you know, did not play his coach's decisions for the majority mm-hmm. of the season. Uh, what's what's been your biggest takeaway about George's hunt so far this season, especially in these last six games? Yeah. Um, so. I think my biggest thing with him is that is that he has a real possibility of being a a three and D type guy, um, which the Wolves haven't had much of, and I think um, I think obviously would be beneficial coming off the bench to spell Butler, and especially with Andrew Wiggins' recent struggles. Um, in terms of actual on the court minutes, I think it's the defense and it's the hustle. There's been some lapses. He's had a couple of, of poor closeouts on on three point shooters of late. Um, Somebody that shouldn't have beaten him off the dribble blew past him the other night. Um, I think it was the Phoenix game that they won. Um, it, so there's been some some positives and some negatives for sure. But I think as a prospect, I mean, you're talking about a guy that's six four, six five with a six nine wingspan, and he's only 23 years old. Um, he was one of the the bigger you know G I guess at the time D League then D League names over the past couple years um, was kind of up and down um, a little bit, but. Um, 
we've talked a little bit about him, but I mean, his track record as a shooter, it's, it's a little bit, you know, in college, he wasn't, he was far from a sharpshooter. He was like, um, I think he was low thirties, mid thirties, best uh, at best on three point shooting. But in the D league, he was, he was like a 40% three point shooter. He's hit them well in limited minutes at the NBA level. So if he can, if he can consistently hit down, hit open threes, um, come off the bench and give you 10, 12 minutes, um, as we get deeper into the season, um, I think he's going to give you solid defense and he's going to play hard. Um, so I, I think he's that he could be that prototypical three and D guy and they're they need that they need a guy that can, that can hit threes they need a guy that can spell Jimmy Butler and be effective um so for me I think you know he's he's not likely going to play in a lot of these these you know big games down the stretch or even in the playoffs but if he can play heavy minutes in some of those games that you know you look at and say they need to win this game um you know if they're playing the Suns or whoever that is um he needs to be able to give them extended minutes and and be solid yeah, I actually just wrote an article like breaking down his game these last couple of days. That's why I wanted to bring this up and um, shameless plug there. I, I'm okay with that. So check it out on dunkingwithwolves.com about my video break. With, well, it's an article, but I also use video in there to break down his game. And, and I agree with, I think, your assessment of George's Hunt where for me, I see his his ceiling, you know, best case scenario is being an above average defender at that 6'5", meaning he can guard multiple positions on the wing. And I could see him becoming an average three-point shooter, you know, shooting around the 37% clip from downtown, which for this Timberwolves team is exactly what the doctor ordered. You know, that's exactly yeah. what they need, just somebody to space the floor. Um I'll, I'll just start with my assessment offensively so far. They, they try to hide him in the corners a lot, which... Right now, teams are sort of playing, you know, kind of close to him. But if he just keeps standing there in the corners, teams are just going to keep coming farther and farther off of him and ignoring him just like the offense is. And so that'll be interesting to see, you know, how he does that. I'd like to see him get more involved in the offense, not necessarily have a scoring role, but at least Mm -hmm. moving off ball, cutting, touching the ball, double handoffs, you know, just to make his defender work at least a little bit instead of just hiding in the corner. Yeah, we haven't seen much enough of him to know if he's going to be able to to be a solid cutter and finish in the lane and finish through contact. I mean, he's not super athletic, um, right. and he's not he's not an outstanding ball handler. He's not going to be a secondary ball handler or anything, but. No you know, you, you could see him playing the sort of role that we want Andrew Wiggins to play, which is play great defense on, on the opposing wings. You know, you should be able, he should be able to guard some of the better opposing wings in the league, um, hit open threes and cut into the lane, finish their contact. Um, you know, if, if he can be, like you said, a serviceable three point shooter, he could be exactly what we're hoping that, that Andrew Wiggins is at bare minimum, which is contribute in lots of different categories and, and be an effective offensive player. He's not going to be a knockdown shooter. He's not going to be, you know, um, an outstanding athlete like Wiggins. But um, given his size and his length and um, his ability to shoot a little bit, I think he's I think he's absolutely already a rotation player. I think we've seen that already. Um, But I think his role could keep expanding, too. And it's not like he's an awful offensive player. I know the G League and the NBA are two different animals, but last season he averaged 15.8 points per game. This year when he went down there, he went down and dropped 34 points in his one appearance with the Iowa Wolves. So he can score, but it just you can see how hesitant and he doesn't have any of that confidence right now on the offensive end. Yeah, and let's not discount. I mean, he did shoot. I guess I kind of glossed over his his D league three point shooting, but I mean, he shot thirty nine point two percent last year in more than four attempts a game. That's that's forty five games, um, and he's a eighty nine percent free throw shooter too. So, um, if he can get to the free throw line, he's going to make him. If he's going to get open threes, he's going to make him. So, um, I think it's. I think I really do think that Tibbs likes him a lot, um, and is is trying to find a way to work him in a little bit. We'll still get these wins. I mean, I think we've already seen that Tibbs Tibbs is you know 
if he's not sure, he's going to go with Jimmy Butler and he's going to try and win the game. Um, so we'll see if he gets more minutes moving forward and, and maybe eats into Wiggins minutes just a little bit. Um, but but I think he's he's been a really nice find. Yeah, and I, I think he's been great. He typically plays, he'll, what he typically does is come in at the beginning of the second quarter, plays two, three minutes, then will sit, then come back in at, at the beginning of the fourth quarter, play two, three minutes. So that's been kind of the rotation Thibodeau has 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 stuck with, which I yeah. think is, I mean, that's fine. That lets him know like mentally to prepare himself for when he's coming into the game and, and defense is where he's going to make his bread and butter. He, in watching him, he does a really nice job of staying in a stance, even when he's not guarding the ball. So when he's off the ball, he's in his stance, he's ready. You know, he can tell that that's where he knows too. Like he understands his role with this team and he works for it. He wants to earn it. And I think that's really nice because there's no confusion on his part about what he's supposed to do. Or if he wants more minutes, he knows exactly what he has to do to earn those minutes. Yeah. Yep. So moving on, looking at the week ahead, it's a really busy week for the Timberwolves. They have four games, and actually there are two sets of back-to-backs. So their first game this week comes on Wednesday, December 27th, and it's at home against the Denver Nuggets. And, of course, the Nuggets will be without Paul Millsap again, so there's a lucky break there. Hopefully, I mean, Denver's still a very tough matchup. Mm-hmm. And then the very next day on Thursday, December 28th, they – the Timberwolves will play at Milwaukee against the Bucks. Uh, Giannis Adekantupo missed a game. I think it was Saturday night with knee soreness, but he should be back for that game if not before. Um, and then they'll have a couple of day break, and then they will play on uh, New Year's Eve on December 31st at the Indiana Pacers. Timberwolves lost their only matchup with the Pacers this year, 130 to 107, and that was in Minnesota. And that was one of those games when Jimmy Butler was sick. Yeah. Um, and then they'll play right again. Uh, right away on uh, New Year's Day against the Lakers again. Um, so it'll be two holidays in a row where they'll play the Lakers, and this one will be at home at the Target Center. Ben, what's your prediction for those four games? Um, I'm going to say, I think what I said last week too, I'm going to say they go 3-1. and one. Um, But obviously all four of these games are really winnable. Uh, Milwaukee and Indiana are both winning teams, but barely. Um, Denver obviously has a winning record. Um, the Lakers don't. So they're... It's, it's three teams with winning records um, and one divisional rival who's going to be tough. Denver is the toughest game of those. But obviously with two back-to-backs, it wouldn't be a shock to see him drop one of those, the back end. So I'm going to say they go three and one. Um, but, you, I mean, that's not a bad stretch. It's And I know they don't have all that many back-to-backs left as you move forward in the season. There's another one early in January. But um, they have a real shot to finish the calendar year You know, with uh, with something like, what, 23 wins, 24 wins. Yeah, yeah, I, th- I think that's. So you're saying they're going to go three and one? Yeah. Uh, that's. They've been. Playing you can say the same thing. Well, I'm I'm trying to think. So Denver, I think, will be a victory for sure. Milwaukee. Oh, for sure, man. Milwaukee, I, I don't, I don't think so. I, I don't know who's going to guard Giannis. I just. That's yeah. a weird matchup for me. Is I, I don't know because you know Butler, the best defender. I think he might be too small. Gibson, I guess, could guard Giannis. Maybe we, yeah. I, I think that's what they'll do. Mm-hmm. You might see some George's Hunt doing that. Obviously, he's small to guard Giannis, but so is basically everybody. So <laughs> you might see that. If I had to pick a game for them to lose, it's going to be that at Milwaukee, the second night of a back-to-back, and then I think they win the other three. Yeah, Indiana's been playing well too, so that'll be a tough one. But, I, yeah, I'm going to say 3-1 and one as well. Um, I'm going to say win against the Nuggets, loss at Milwaukee. And that's – I got to put this out here. I am a Bucks fan, so that is part of it. Um, but then I think they'll rebound with two nice victories at Indiana, which that'll be a tough game, and then at home against the Lakers. So I'm going to say 3-1 and one as well. 
Okay. Yeah, and I'll be at the Denver game tomorrow, so I don't I don't think that that's I don't think that bodes well for them. Um, but that you'll you know, be we'll there. See. Yeah, you went, I don't, I you went had, last week, right? Or two weeks no, ago? No, this would be... I went to the Timberwolves game in Oklahoma City back at the beginning of December. Oh. That was horrible. Um, that was a bad game. Um, <laughs> I was at the game two years ago, though, when Rubio hit the hit the buzzer beater. That was probably the last game I was at that they won in, in Oklahoma City. So, um, so yeah, I think they're like 0-3 over the last two years since I've since I've been there. Oh, Ben, come on. Come on. I'll do my do best, better. though. All right, so thank you guys for tuning in to this episode of your Dunking with Wolves podcast. You can find us online at www.dunkingwithwolves.com. You can also tune in on SoundCloud or on iTunes. You can subscribe, give us a like, rate, review us, whatever you want to do. We'd appreciate it. Ben Beacon, the other co-expert with the site, you can find him on Twitter at bbeacon. I'm Brian Sampson, a co-expert as well. You can find me on Twitter at Brian Sampson MBA. We hope you guys all listen in and tune in next time. I'll be the king of my class, got the heart of a wolf in this